Welcome to the Small Nonprofit Podcast with down-to-earth practical advice on how to get things done in your small organization. You are going to change the world and we can help. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anya McGlynn. Hello, everybody. So today we have a really special episode. It's actually the last one in our season, this spring, and we are taking a break from the podcast until the fall. So now is your opportunity to catch up on all the old episodes. And we thought that today we'd have a really interesting conversation of some of the things that we've uh, seen come up again and again in our work um, that we haven't really approached on the podcast in a significant way, but that I think is sort of this foundation or lack of foundation. And it it really affects everything that our sector is doing. Getting the basics right is, uh, is fundamental. Those nailed nailed down and locked in everything else adding more complexity is going to be uh, is going to be difficult for sure exactly so what we're talking about and referencing are systems and processes it's all the information that is in our organizations in our heads um, and the processes behind them like how things need to happen and move to actually get our work done that kind of doesn't live anywhere uh, and usually if it does, it's not very effective. Mm -hmm. And we see this as like a huge weight on the shoulders of everyone in our sector, whether you're in fundraising, it's your database, or if you're in programming, you need to report on impact. Mm -hmm. Like this is, or, you know, you're the executive director and you need to report to your board. It underlies all of the work that we do. And it is a problem. And I think a hundred percent of the organizations we've ever interacted with. Oh, absolutely. And it's well documented in reports that, that are coming out both from sort of associations like N10 or, or ONN, and, and then also um, a lot of the sort of reports and research that's actually conducted by technology companies demonstrating really that people, especially in small organizations, are feeling a little bit left behind when it comes to, to systems and technology or definitely feel a lack of, of confidence. Um, there's a report that just came out from Classy, an online donation platform, and they researched a number of nonprofits and, and four in 10 didn't feel that their organizations are leveraging technology to their advantage in comparison with other nonprofits. And that number as was actually bigger when you disaggregated the data to look at small organizations. So it was more like six in 10. So it's a real problem. And what's interesting to me is there's often a perception, I think, from smaller nonprofits that they can't afford to be uh, efficient with their technology or innovative with their technology. And that was absolutely true 10, 15 years ago. Uh, Technology was expensive. It required a lot of custom design and custom build. It required a level of expertise that nonprofits either couldn't access because those kinds of people were highly trained and difficult to, uh, to afford to hire or website development firms were expensive. But it's just not the case anymore. And and so, I mean, I, I do, to some extent, feel like a broken record because I've, I've been saying this and having this conversation in, in, in some way, shape or form, really um, almost for 10 years. But I think it, it really never has been, never has been easier or less expensive to make 
a couple of really key decisions that will help you feel as though you you are actually leveraging technology and that, that you're keeping pace with donors' expectations and with the expectations of the people who work for your organization. And the people you serve. Yeah. But I also think it's also it's never been cheaper, as you said, and more accessible, but it's also never been as, I don't want to say urgent, but the pace of change. Like in the past, your old systems could work for you for 10 years and it was fine. And you didn't need to build capacity to be able to be nimble in this space. But now things are changing so rapidly that you really can't afford to not jump on this bandwagon, right? Like if you can't build the capacity to understand and leverage technology and be nimble with it, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're behind already and you're going to be way further behind in a year, two years, five years. It's changing yeah. so quickly. And I think, you know, some, one of the things that I've realized in working with some of our clients on, on technology projects is there's a lot of emotion associated with working with technology. And a lot of that emotion, you know, sits in the area of, of kind of shame and embarrassment. And there's a sense that, you know, oh, I'm not a technological person or I'm not a math person or I'm not... Um, this is not, you know, I can barely use my phone or whatever. And we, we sort of speak in this kind of self-deprecating way about our relationship to technology. But, you know, the fact is like, it's okay. It's okay if, if, if you don't know what an array formula is, or you don't know how to, how a VLOOKUP function works in Excel, that's totally fine. Um, you know, the, I think the first step in sort of like embracing that those learning learnings and the power of those functionalities and those tools is to say, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And then, you know, to seek out advice and resources from people who, who do get it a little bit more and who, um, who can point you in the, in the right direction. Like if I can kind of speak from personal experience for a second, you know, I mentioned on the, on this podcast a couple of times, like my background is in academia and literature. And, um, you know, I came into the world of fundraising after having spent a lot of time in libraries, looking at books and taking notes. And, and all of a sudden I was like faced with the spreadsheets of thousands of lines of donor information. And I was like, I don't know, like, how do you find something in here? Like I, I, I had no idea, you know, I just, just started Googling and watching some tutorials and watching some videos and, and through self you know, self-paced learning and self-directed learning, I've taught myself a lot. And so I think it's okay to just be like, I don't know anything mm-hmm. about this. And 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 to really uh, start on a learning journey and, and you're going to be frustrated at so many points in that journey. I can't even tell you. Like I I took a learning, ladies uh, learning code course um, this past weekend and I was loving life for the first half. I was like, I had animated a little square on a website. <laughs> I was like just delighted with myself. And then, you know, obviously as the learning went on and got more complex and I had a moment, oh my God, this is so frustrating. And, and that's okay. Like you're going to meet those, those points of like, I, this is not working. I can't figure it out. This integration is broken. I don't know what's going on. And that's okay. That's okay. Like embrace the emotion around it and, uh, you know, and, and know that, that, you know, you can step away and take a deep breath and you can come back and, and, and tackle it again. Yeah. I have a couple questions for you based on that. I want to start with what are some of the most common pain points around technology that you've seen with the organizations we've been working with? I think it's really around selection. Um, I think is one of the fundamental 
challenges um, because there are so many tools on the market. Um, I am working with a client right now who who wants to put in place a learning management system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of gone are the days where it's like, oh, an articulate uh, course and off you go. There are, I don't know, at least two dozen, three dozen LMSs that all, you know, all are around the same price point and purport to offer the same kind of functionality. But deciding on which one to really invest in takes a lot of thought. Namely, that thought starts with, what am I already using in my organization? How do people work in my organization? What is the skill and capacity of people? What do stakeholders expect um, in using this tool. And I, I find that sometimes there's not a lot of, there's not enough thoughtfulness that goes into provisioning. Um, and I think sometimes it's the case that someone on the board recommends something or someone gets a free trial on something and all of a sudden that's the tool that you're using. Yeah. And that's not a good way to make a selection in or an investment in a piece of technology that in some cases forms the the centerpiece of your work. So I, I think that's the biggest challenge really. Yeah. And I think to your point, what really resonates with me is we're not always looking for the the best system. We're looking for a system that does what we need it to do and that works with the other systems that we have mm-hmm. and that is user-friendly. I think the user interface is so important. And I think that more and more tech companies are understanding this, but some of the older gold standard in terms of functionality platforms and tools are really hard to learn and therefore worthless. If you can't figure it out, it has zero value for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, I think that that's a, that's a great point. And, and uh, especially with, you know, turnover being what it is in our sector, especially, you know, as a, as a leader of an organization, acknowledge that people come through your organization, you know, there's, there's a bit of churn and through no fault of your own, this is, this is the sector, it's the reality of, of the sector that we work in. And if your tools and your, your infrastructure are really, really difficult to learn, that cost of doing business that's associated with turnover is going to be even higher, especially when, if you if you haven't invested in, in good process documentation, right? If, if there hasn't been somebody sort of creating uh, that manual that explains workflows, you're, you're going to find yourself at a loss, at a significant loss every time someone uh, every time someone leaves or moves on from your organization. One of the things that you we've sort of been referencing, but I just want to be explicit about because it relates to my next question is within the Good Partnership, this is a service that we provide and specifically that you lead for Mm -hmm. small charities. And I want to be clear around that because my next question is about how we start that journey and the exercise around the art of the possible. Mm -hmm. And I want you to talk a little bit about that process as a starting point um, and how important that is. Yeah. So yeah, you know, often a a potential client will come to us and say, my fundraising database is not producing the kind of reports that I want. (laughs) And can you fix it? Can you fix the reports? And the answer is no. The answer is no, I can't just um, on a call uh, over 20 minutes, go over your reporting functionality and, and, and make it so that you're not spending hours and hours producing, you know, 
RDC reports. The the better answer is what are you ultimately like at a more of a 30,000 foot um, high perspective trying to accomplish with the organization, like start with your mission and work back from there to see if your database is serving that mission. And more, more often than not, uh, it's not the information or the data that you want to get out of your database is only as good as the information that you put in. And it's only as good as the way in which you capture that information and from whom you capture that information. The process around creating reports really begins at the moment when you think about where the information that constitutes that report comes from. So that's why we always start with this art of the possible workshop. It really starts with like hopes and dreams for your system. Like what would what would be the the ideal scenario look like? You know, describe to me what three clicks or less looks like for you in terms of being able to demonstrate impact to a funder. And then and then we work backwards. I find what I find fascinating about those workshops, having been in some with you, is sometimes we can't you really need to tease that out of people. So sometimes our clients can't even imagine Mm -hmm. what is possible because they've been, their imaginations have been so limited by the systems that they're using. That's a good point. (laughs) So having someone like you uh, facilitate that and really listen to what they want out of the system and then understand how that applies to the technology piece so that we can make it so that these systems are set up in a way even better than you can imagine. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really great point. And, and that's why a lot of these, these workshops are really an exercise in active listening, right? It's, it's about hearing someone describe how they do their job and hearing that one thing that they might say that you're like, Oh wait, what did you just say there? And they're like, Oh, you know, that we have to find a facilitator for a workshop. I'm like, okay, that's a real, that's a pain point then. Like, that's like, how do you, how, how many hours does it take to match that facilitator to the workshop? Oh, I don't know. That probably takes, I don't know, about a dozen emails back and forth. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> like, and and they've never really thought about, oh, I, maybe that's something that, that I can automate, right? It's, it's again, to your point, it's that your imagination does get, uh, does kind of get hemmed in by, uh, by the fact that you're, you're so bogged down in, in the way that you have been working. Uh, and you're right. So I, I think it's, it's really valuable to, to give your, your organization the space and time to dream, <laughs> to imagine what, uh, what it would look like if you didn't have to do all that back and forth emails. The other thing that I love about your approach, Anya, is, um, focusing on workflows. Mm-hmm. So the systems that we use and that our clients use are massive. We could get lost easily in all the functionality. Mm-hmm. And instead what you do is instead of trying to boil the ocean and say like, let's get this whole system working for your organization, you pick like the top three yeah. workflows. So can you talk to us about what a workflow is, maybe some examples, and then yeah. why, you pri- why you approach the work in that way? The reason why we approach that the work in that way is, you know, in some ways it's, it's 
about practicality, right? It's about understanding and scoping a project so that everybody has clear expectations and um, and we don't sort of say, hey, we're going to make everything great and off the go um, because that's just, I think, a, a way to lead to, to disappointment on everybody's side. You know, you can't you can't fix everything. So I, I find that the the way to to set everybody up for success is to to really define those specific pain points. So so whether that's a scenario wherein a organization is like, you know, I want to be able to do uh, to do online registration, but I don't know how to I don't know how to put a, a form on my website. Like I have to call our IT person or our IT consultant, and they sometimes they'll code some form um, and then they'll they'll put it on the website, and then they'll give us an Excel sheet every two weeks that shows us how many people have signed up. And that for me is like, okay, there's this is an awesome opportunity. This is an mm-hmm. awesome opportunity for you to, as I like to say, take back your tech, right? Like mm-hmm. let's talk about how you can empower yourself and your organization to take back your technology. There is no reason why you should have to call somebody to put a form on your website. So let's focus on let's, if, if that's the story that I'm hearing, then it says to me that we need to focus on, you know, choosing a, a CR or CMS that is drag and drop. That is what you see is what you get editor, WYSIWYG editor, and that your team can, can then, uh, decide what forms go where and where the data that that form is entered into lands in your organization, right? So then that would be the specific workflow that we would focus on. Or it might be, um, again, the situation that I, I mentioned just recently where an organization is running a number of workshops and they need to to match facilitators uh, to those workshops. And it's currently taking this uh, this member of their staff just dozens and dozens of hours. Uh, they're doing, you know, 50 workshops a year. So we're focusing on figuring out a workflow wherein the facilitators indicate their availability every month. An organization who wants to put on a workshop registers their interest through a form on the website. And in the same way that any sort of product works when a customer enters in their interest in purchasing a product, the on the back end, um, the system looks up the inventory. In this case, the facilitators are the inventory. And there's a match made between the time and the location that the person wants to run the workshop and the facilitator's availability. Sort of scheduling dynamic of, of having to call and email a whole roster of facilitators to see if they're available when and where, we get rid of that entirely. And I know that getting that piece right will save this particular individual 10 to 12 hours a week. And so that's just one of those workflows that we will focus on over the course of that project. So you're talking about an efficiency of about 40 hours a week, which is, when you think about it, an entire salary, an entire staff person's salary. Yeah. And if we look at like that's that rings so true when we look at the organizations that we've worked with and their staffing structures and how much of their staff time collectively is spent manually manipulating information that could be uh, better automated or, um, mm. or or set up in, in systems. That's easily a staff person's time when you combine it easily, if not more. Yeah, absolutely. So like, think about like what, what would be possible if that staff was not going back and forth for, you know, 
12 hours a week um, on, on scheduling, like what will be possible for them to do with their time. And to be clear, you know, for those listening who are like, Oh, that sounds cool. But like, there's no way that I could ever a afford that or like be manage it. Everything that, that all the work that we do with our clients has a really important training component, which is to mm-hmm. say like, we're going to leave you with the capacity to use whatever it is we've put in place. Nothing that we've put in place will require coding or will require um, deep customization or like an intense level of like technological knowledge. Like this is all what we would say sort of like consumer facing technology that, you know, if you know how to use um, Facebook reasonably well, and, you know, once, once we teach you a few, few cool things about how to integrate a couple of pieces of technology, like you will be off to the races. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for techies. This is, this is the new normal, right? This is the new, this is where, companies, for-profit and non-profit organizations need to be moving. And I think the it feels, as we talked about at the beginning, so overwhelming for smaller organizations. But with a little uh, guidance or just spending some time thinking about it in some of the ways that we've talked about. So thinking about the art of, art of the possible. Stop the podcast just for a second. I just wanted to take a second to remind our listeners uh, who may not know that this uh, podcast is brought to you by The Good Partnership and Charity Village. So a lot of people don't know that both of our organizations are deeply committed to making sure that there are tons of great resources available to small nonprofits in our sector. And so I want you to take a minute to go and access some of those great free resources. For The Good Partnership, you can visit thegoodpartnership.com and specifically on our homepage or visit thegoodpartnership.com slash guide, you can download a free resource that outlines all different kinds of fundraising strategies you might want to consider for your organization. And for charityvillage.com, there's so many webinars and of course the podcast, um, articles, The list is endless. And of course, you can post jobs there. Volunteer positions are posting is free. So make sure that you are checking out both websites to deepen your learning and continue to access great free stuff. Great tips, Cindy. Now on the podcast. What would it look like? And what are your biggest pain points? So how do you reimagine those three or four workflows that are the biggest consumers of your time? And what would that look like if it was different? So stop trying to, don't try and think about like every single thing uh, that that you're dealing with, pick the three biggest ones and start there. And from that, if you get those workflows working, the rest you will be able to develop and evolve with. And the reality with technology now is once you get it all set up, you're going to want to change some of the first things that you started because things evolve and things change, but you have the capacity to go back and do that because you are learning the skill set and you understand how to think about these workflows, how to think about re-envisioning your time and the tools that support your time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so then, you know, it, it all then ultimately comes back to, to choosing the technology that, that, um, that will allow you to, to build out, you know, several new workflows, right. And, 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 um, uh, being, being really mindful about, 
adding additional pieces of technology into your uh, organization that that work well with with other pieces that you already have invested in and that you already use really well. And again, you know, like I, referring back again to that the Classy report um, that was just published in small nonprofits, um, 42% of respondents say that it's their executive leadership that is um, uh, responsible for discovering and testing new technology. And that just like, that doesn't feel right to me. No. You know? If I think about, you know, the, the executive leadership of the small nonprofits that we, we um, work with, they're, they're awesome, amazing, um, um, just like, like founts of, of knowledge in, in their subject area. Um, but for the most part, like they're not necessarily people who, who are, who are deeply interested or committed to learning and understanding technology. Right. Whereas like I'm sitting sitting around reading service agreements all day. (laughs) I mean, like, like I'm, I'm reading API documentation and understanding like how all that works. Right. And so that's what I'm saying about like, embrace what you don't know. It's okay. Um, you know, and, and, and we would always be, be happy to, to help even just with a small piece of, of, of work. That's like, you know what, I need to, to choose a new database. Like, yeah. How do I, what are, what are some essential questions I should be asking? (laughs) Absolutely. And I want to, uh, I was going to bring this up later, but just for, those of you listening who are feeling, listening, thinking, that is me. That is my organization. I need help right away. You can, we do a free consultation with, yep. that includes a systems health check. So the goodpartnership.com slash checkup and you fill in your information and we'll, we'll give you a score and set up a call for you to talk about that score and, and some of your pain points and get some free advice. So definitely check that out. And before we wrap up, I want to also ask you about the accidental techie coming off of the points you were talking before about who's leading these projects. What is an accidental techie and how do we leverage that in our organizations? So um, if you're at work right now, look around your office and who's the person who has the Twitter password? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm joking. But like, who, who's the person in your office that you often go, hey, I, I, you know, I can't figure out why I can't run this report or why this isn't syncing. That's the accidental techie in, in your office. Um, they may be somebody who is a program staff. They may be someone who's in marketing. They may be your fundraiser. Um, they might be a member of your board but they have an affinity and an interest and a curiosity and, and possibly, you know, a little bit more skill in, in using technology. So for me, the, the way to leverage that person is talk to them, say to them, Hey, look, you know what? You seem like you're good at this. Is this something that you'd like to dig deeper on? Is there, are there things that you're, other things that you're curious about technology? Is there like a couple courses that, that you'd like to invest in or, you know, can we, can we talk about a day a week over the next, you know, two months where you can do some self-directed learning and, and, you know, how do you, how do you embrace someone's curiosity or sort of like, you know, natural instinct, um, for technology and, uh, and encourage them to, to, to build upon it? Because quite frankly, you know, we talk about like, you know, 21st century work, um, and the skills of the future, it's, you know, to provide someone the opportunity in a structured way um, to, to improve these skills and to learn about like what, you know, what kind of, what are the two or three pieces of technology that can drive mission success? You're setting that, that person up for success as well as your organization. Absolutely. Um, 
So, so I think it's, it's really important to identify that person and to support them because in some ways it's like, it's not fair to have this kind of expectation to live off the side of somebody's desk. Right. Um, you know, which is not to say that if they're like an amazing, you know, um, frontline service worker that you're like, okay, you don't do that anymore. Right. It's, it's about giving them the opportunity to learn more about something that they've, they're obviously interested in and have patience for and are, and, you know, are curious about and giving them the opportunity to go a little bit deeper on that if they want to. And as you said, it doesn't feel fair to add that to someone's plate. So figuring out ways to alleviate some of their other work with the understanding, as you mentioned earlier, that this could alleviate everyone's time, right? Investing in this for a relatively short period of time will enable that person to be much more effective and efficient in their specific uh, responsibilities beyond the tech stuff, but also your whole team will benefit and your whole team will feel less pressure and be able to do their work more efficiently. So it's definitely a worthwhile activity for you to invest in. And I think if we can leave you with anything at the end of this conversation, at the end of this, our second season of the podcast, it is that we see you. We understand the day-to-day responsibilities and burdens of running a small organization. It is incredibly rewarding, but it is incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. And if you have the capacity to take a step back and look at your systems and carve out some space to address them, we know 100% with certainty that you will be able to do more work with uh, less time and take care of yourself and have the impact that you want to have in the world. So we think that this is number one thing that you should be focusing on this year. That's it. Smarter, not harder. Exactly. So the URL again for the free systems health check and a 30 minute consultation is thegoodpartnership.com slash checkup. Uh, we are taking this summer to, uh, to focus on some of our work and take a little bit of a break. Uh, if you didn't listen to our last podcast, we talked about self-care. Uh, so we will let you know when we come back this fall with new episodes of the Small Nonprofit Podcast. Have a great day. Bye. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.